You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits, B Pro Kennels, and Final Rise. And thanks to our title sponsor, B Pro Kennels. B Pro Kennels is a small business creating ultra high quality and custom dog boxes for the gun dog owner like you and I. B Pro Kennels will make sure you have a custom dog box that fits your needs for you and your gun dogs while out on the road chasing birds this fall. With an innovative storage design and built-in solar panel and battery bank. For quick access to charging accessories like dog collars, lights, batteries, or fans, this dog box is unlike anything you've seen before. Check them out at bprokennels.com. This podcast is also presented to you by Final Rise. All good things start with a solid foundation. At Final Rise, all three of their premium upland vests are built around the foundational waist belt to provide you all-day comfort and endless customization. With a secure waist belt and thin, high-quality shoulder harness, this will be a vest that you can load down with birds and walk all day. Final Rise is creating high-functioning upland gear that delivers comfort, balance, and a lifetime of memories. Check them out and pick up your vest today at finalrise.com. This podcast is sponsored by Trinity Bertans. All Trinity Breton dogs from champion bloodlines that are field tested and family approved. For over 33 years, Trinity Bretons has worked to offer you the best bred Epignol Breton in the country for the field trialer and foot hunter alike. Angels in the home, and demons in the field. Check them out at trinitybretons.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson. And as you can probably tell, I'm sorry if I startled you a little bit. You can probably tell and hear the excitement and enthusiasm in my voice as I am talking to you today. Um, from when I am recording this, we are just days away from the uh, September 1st opener. <laughs> September 1st, guys. We have been talking about this, seems like forever, uh, spring, summer. Again, I know bird dogs, the year-round thing, training. I, I love that aspect of it. But there's nothing better than hunting wild birds with your bird dog, period. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I said what I said. There's nothing better than chasing wild birds with your bird dog. And so September 1st might bring uh, for you, it might bring the opener of dove season. Might uh, You might be chasing prairie grouse. You might be going to the mountains to chase mountain grouse. Uh, maybe you're kicking your season off uh, with some good friends and maybe it's a tradition for you. Uh, September 1st brings a lot of different things for a lot of different people, uh, depending where you live. And again, uh, depending what you are going to be chasing. And so, um, can we just sit in that for a second? Can we just, just, uh, uh I don't know. Yeah. Just soak in this moment of the anticipation, uh, kind of being on that brink of the opener. It's a special time. I think it's a special time to, all the, all the time and preparation that we've put in over the spring and summer um, with your dog, with uh, maybe you've been working on your shooting, uh, maybe you've been, been scouting for hours and hours, and uh, which seems like maybe you've been, <laughs> I don't know, the time we put into scouting on Onyx it can seem like for like forever. <laughs> My wife will look over at me and she's like, what are you doing on Onyx again? 
well, I'm, I'm looking at this <laughs> this particular area. I've zoomed in. I'm, I'm, you know, looking at you know terrain and all that stuff. So, um, the, the time and effort that we put in all year um, to now be able to transfer that to chasing wild birds and hunting and, and being out there, putting the boots on the ground, walking, seeing the country for ourselves. Um, having all the pieces come together for our dogs. Like it's a, it's a special time. Um, I just, I, I love it. I love um, what this, this season brings uh, again, being on the, uh, the brink the next couple of days where we're opening the season. Um, make sure it doesn't pass you by. That's kind of what I'm trying to say here. Just soak it in, um, you know, enjoy whether you're heading out opening day or, or maybe you're heading out a couple of weeks after whatever it might be, whenever your season kicks off, like, Enjoy the time as we head into another season. Be thankful that we can get out there. We can walk on public lands. We can uh, bring our kids out there. We can share a field with friends, um, share those memories with our bird dogs. Like uh, to all those new hunters out there, uh, if you're chasing wild birds this this fall, um, this is going to be a time for you to make new memories with uh, again with your friends or family or your new dogs that you've you've picked up. Um, enjoy it. It's not something that everyone gets to do and, and that everyone gets to experience. And so soak those uh, moments in. And again, whether you're into journaling or photos or whatever your thing is, um, I encourage you to, to take a moment and you know capture, capture a picture or jot a couple notes down um, after your hunt and just say, okay, this is what it was like. This is what I learned. Uh, this is what uh, my dog did. This is what I need to maybe work on. Um, this is a, a good laugh, a good memory we had uh, with my friends or my family. Whatever it is for you guys, um, just enjoy it. Um, it's here. <laughs> it's almost here. Um, so have uh, have a fun and safe season. Um, take care of yourself. Take care of your bird dogs. Shoot straight. Um, and I hope hope you all knock a bird down. So. Um, guys, we're going to get into a couple things here. Um, we have an incredible episode today. Um, I chatted with Scott Kinnear. Um, Scott Kinnear and I do a, a, a pretty deeper, more deep dive. God, I can't talk sometimes, I swear. Um, a deep dive on what it means uh, to be a mentor, what it means to be a good mentor. Uh, that word mentor gets tossed around a lot. And what does it really mean? What does it, I guess, what does it look like? And so that's, that's what Scott and I unpack here on the podcast. He has um, a ton of experience um, that I think is really unique. It's a different perspective versus the kind of traditional mentorship we might think of. So um, I, I will kind of leave it at that. Um, again, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, Scott's just an interesting guy, has some great stories and some great perspectives on what we can do uh, for new hunters. And uh, again, so I, I challenge you, if you've been at this for years, if you've been hunting for a long time and have never truly mentored someone or coached someone, I would really encourage you to um, take take time to, to unpack and listen to this episode. And um, it, it was an episode that challenged me as well to think, okay, how am I, how am I really coaching and developing a new hunter? Um, so I'll leave it at that. I, I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. Um, hey, don't forget. So a couple things before we get rolling into this. Also, I'm going to break this up into a two-parter. Um, this conversation got super long, and I think it's going to be um, much better suited if we break this up into two, um, a little more digestible. So uh, look forward to part two. I'm going to probably release this 
just a, a few days after part one releases. So um, look for a two-parter with Scott Kinnear. A um, couple house cleaning items here. We got the Patreon giveaway. This is the last time you will hear from me uh, before um, I pick the winner of the fall kickoff giveaway over at Patreon. So just a reminder, you have to be signed up on Patreon to be entered into the giveaway. We have some incredible prizes still up for grabs, um, including a tie-out system from Cable Gangs. Um, that's going to be a winner's choice of either a two-dog system with two ground stakes, or you can choose a four-dog system, but that won't come with ground stakes. So that based on your needs, your dogs, whatever you're looking for, um, you can choose one of those um, setups uh, from Cable Gang. So thank you, Brennan Landry. Um, the other prize, uh, winner's choice is uh, a knife from Upland Knife Company. Now, Mike Thompson over at Upland Knife Company, guys, uh, oh my gosh, these knives are, he's, he's building these by hand. Uh, made here, obviously, in the USA. He's up in Montana. And these are some premium, premium upland knives. Uh, it's going to come with a sheath, uh, the podcast logo engraved onto the knife, and it looks freaking awesome. I'm so excited. I might have to ask him to make one for me as well because it is so, so freaking cool. Um, so these are these are knives that you're going to be able to pass down from generation to generation, uh, your kids, grandkids, whatever it might be. And then the other prize up for grabs is a Gunner Fan Kit 2.0 from Gunner Kennels. This is the new fan kit they came out with a few months ago. Um, super long-lasting battery. It's going to attach to your dog's kennel, keep them cool out on the road. You know, September, October, it gets warm. Uh, you might be hitting Kansas, Nebraska, Montana, whatever it might be. Um, for keeping your dogs cool is a must. So Gunner Fan Kit 2.0 is going to be up for grabs as well. Again, this is winner's choice. So whoever wins the August drawing is going to get to pick from one of those three prizes. Then there'll be two prizes left. Uh, again, for the September winner, they'll get to pick from those two remaining prizes and so on. So we got some awesome prizes. Make sure you're signed up on Patreon for as little as five bucks a month. You're not only in the giveaways for some awesome gear, but you are helping support the podcast, guys. Um, I truly, truly am thankful to each and every Patreon member right now um, who is supporting the podcast. It means a ton to me. Um, everything I am uh, making from Patreon member support um, is helping the podcast. It has you know, a few months ago upgraded some microphones, things like that for the podcast studio. So all that Patreon support is going back into the show, back into the podcast. Um, so your support means a ton. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. Other than that, um, this intro is getting long. Again, I'm going to break this episode into a two-parter, so you'll hear from me again in a couple days. I also have a special bonus episode dropping on September 1st, the kickoff. It's going to be a little tradition I do. Uh, if you remember from last year, I did a bonus episode on the, uh, the eve of the opener, um, so look for that one coming out as well. So you got a couple episodes <laughs> to look forward to this week, um, so... I uh, hope you guys uh, are excited about that. Um, all right, guys, uh, we're going to jump into uh, the interview here with Scott Kinnear. I hope you guys enjoy. I don't, I don't think of it as mentoring. Mentoring is yeah. like R3. You know, you take, <laughs> sure. them out, take them out, walk them through a field, give them a new hat, and yeah. slap them on the back and go, I hope you had a good time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think we're going to have a lot of fun here. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think, like I said, you being relatively new to this, you're going to add a lot to the conversation, you know, Sure. what you ran into, 
who yeah. are the good people, who are the ones that just kind of blew you off. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause, cause I mean, we all experience that and it's, yeah, you get those people who, and I think it's pretty clear. The ones that are going to sit down take the time, listen to your questions. You talked about listening a little bit, even when you in that, what you sent me back, that's huge. Like, okay, I might have a dumb question or to me, it might seem silly or elementary, but for someone to like, listen to it and all right, like I, I see where you're coming from. Here's X, Y, and Z. Like that's what has meant so much to me. And I, I learned something from that, you know, versus, you know, I'm trying to form a question and the guy's like, oh yeah, yeah well just, just do this or yeah, that, that doesn't matter. Right. Like, that's, that's just dismissive. And you're like, well, I didn't learn anything from that then, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've noticed there are people too that do this, right? Someone asks you a question and boom, immediately in your mind, you've got an answer for it, right? Sometimes just popping out the answer isn't the best way. Ask another question. Well, why do you feel like that? You know, well, you know, what led you to believe that the grouse are going to be over in that cover versus that cover? You know, yeah. just let get it. Once you can get somebody comfortable enough where they're, you know, they don't feel like they're asking stupid questions, right? Then you can give an answer somewhere along the line. A lot of times they answer their own question. Sure. You know? yeah. and, that, and, and sometimes that's the best learning. Like, like we came to the conclusion ourselves. And that can stick sometimes more, <laughs> you know, if, if you kind of help guide me and ask me the, the questions back, like, I think that's going to help me get to the, we're getting to the same end point, but sometimes people learn better if, if it's maybe more hands-on or, you know, I kind of help get there myself. Right. Um, so yeah, it's not just providing me the answer. Oh, here, Will, just, here's the answer. Now, now go ahead and do it or just figure it out. You're kind of walking alongside, helping formulate, and, and not giving me the the full playbook, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a lot of football players that would struggle from time to time in a position, and I would just set them next to me. I'd take them out of the game, and I'd stand them next to me. I want you to watch, and let's see if you and I can see the same thing, right? I'm, I'm, watch the linebacker. I've been telling you, you know, all game – he takes a step forward every time that gives you as a running back that extra, you know, push. You just got to watch his feet, right? Quarterback's going to get you the ball. Just watch his feet. And you're going to stand here and for a couple of plays, and then we're going to talk about what you saw, hmm. you know? So it's the same thing. You can use that in hunting, right? A bird gets up, you know, let's just stop here. Take a look. Look around. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? Hmm. Huh? So that's so good. That's so good, Scott. Well, I am super excited um, to have you on the podcast. Thank you for uh, carving out some time to uh, to talk with us here. Let's uh, let's rewind just a second. Get to know you a little bit more, Scott. Uh, first, put us on a map and uh, tell us a little bit of, of who you are. Give us a little overview of uh, of yourself. All right. So my name is Scott Kinane. I live in Bemidji, Minnesota. We are new to Bemidji. We used to live in suburbs of Minneapolis, Eden Prairie. Um, yeah, that's three kids, three grandkids. We always, we, my wife and I grew up in small towns. I grew up in Iowa. She grew up in Western Minnesota. We had always agreed that once we got to a point where we felt comfortable, you know, the kids are well on their way, stuff like that, that we would search for that new, 
that new last home. And so we ended up in Bemidji. We have 100 acres and a mile on the Mississippi River. Um, so plenty of room for the dogs to roam. And uh, yeah, and as you can see by my picture, I'm not a spring chicken. <laughs> I mean, grand, grandkids and everything, man, you are, you are seasoned. Seasoned I, I, and have some wisdom ready to share, I can tell. As they say, I am not wet behind the ears. <laughs> that is so true. So true. Um, Scott, this is a really d- dumb thing that our listeners won't be able to, to tell. You got the flannel shirt on right now, and we are, we're talking in mid to late August right now. Fall is around the corner. The flannel shirt just caught my eye. Of That's like fall. Like fall is here. That means birds. That means hunting, outdoors, like all that stuff. And so we're, we're so close here. It's we here. So it's close. here. The birds are migrating, you know, are getting ready to migrate up here. You know, how far south they go, we don't know. But yeah, they're all bunched up. You know, all the purple martins, they've, they've bunched up. They're ready to go. So something they'll, mm-hmm. they'll smell a smell in the wind and poof, they'll be gone. They're, they're gone. <laughs> What's what's a purple martin? Purple martin. How do you explain what the purple martin is? <laughs> what is that? Well, let's Google that. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very very pretty songbird, and uh, okay, they return okay. to the same areas. Like if you put your purple martin houses up, you'll get the same pairs coming back to the same houses all the time, oh, and they're wow. just a gas to have around all the. Um, Hummingbirds, they are also all bunching up. You know, they're not off in their mating pairs. They're actually in bigger groups now. So when they come to the feeders, there's, you know, 15, 20 of them. They're getting ready to go. You know, the sandhill cranes are kicking up. So, yeah, it's it's not far. I always go by the crickets. So when I hear the crickets start singing at night, I know it's not far. Interesting, because I I've just noticed that and let here is, is that kind of, that's kind of a general thing, right, around the country. Yeah. Okay, because we we actually had a cricket in our house the other day. Yeah. My wife was like, "What is that? Where's that coming from? It's in our bathroom." And um, yeah, it's just been a, a last week. Like the crickets have been going crazy um, around here, and I'm like, "That's odd." But is that a, that's a correlation to fall getting here? Yep. Okay. Yep, okay. Yep. The nights start getting that. cooler. So you pick that one up and you kiss it and you carry it outside and let it down and let fall go. Okay. Wow. <laughs> we're not even five minutes into this and <laughs> look at this. <laughs> we're going down the cricket route and <laughs> all this good stuff. <laughs> That's what you get when you get Scott and Will together, right? We're just going to talk about anything. Oh, I have high hopes for this. I have high hopes. <laughs> Um, Scott, what, uh, what kind of hunting are you doing most? Uh, you do waterfowl, primarily upland, like, like take us through, you know, what kind of hunting you're doing and, uh, what, what did last season look like for you? All right. A lot to unpack there. My favorite is grouse and woodcock, but I, okay. I you know, if it's, if it's got wings and, and, and it's legal, it's just fun to chase. So, um, been to Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, mm-hmm. Canada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, you know, those that yeah. all those states around there. And, and you can cover a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff in mm-hmm. five states, as you're well aware. If you drew five states around you, sure. Think about the number of birds that you could be able to chase. Um, 
but I and I'm I'm like Nick Larson. I, there's a special spot for Jason Gross and Woodcock in the woods, oh, yeah. in northern Minnesota. It's just it's, it's soul cleansing. Mm. So you get in those thick those thick woods, and it looks tough to me. Everything every again, I've never hunted grouse in the woods, but. It looks like tough hunting, like the, what you're walking through, your shooting lanes. Like it just looks like a tough hunt. It is. It is. So, um, yeah, but I look at like this, the dogs are just a gas to watch in the woods, right? It's, they're checking every little, little log that's falling down, you know, they're, uh, it isn't a clump of, you know, winter berry that they see or wild plum, right? It's a tree falling down, and they run right to the end of it, right, and start rooting around at the end of the tree because they know, you know, that's a great hiding spot. So, yeah, their their objectives in the woods here versus when we go to the prairies, you know, it's a lot different. Um, I'm not a huge fan of cattail swamps. Hmm. Running a pointing dogs, you know, <laughs> when I had my lab, I guess that was fine, right? Then I just sure. listened the whole time. Yeah. But my pointing dogs have a tendency to sneak in there instead of crash. <laughs> so you don't get that sound, right? And then they go on point and it's kind of like, all right, where are they at? <laughs> what do we do now? Yeah, yeah. Pull out the GPS and look. <laughs> and go, all right, there's one. <laughs> so, Yeah. That's tough. Have you, okay. So, so you live in, you know, grouse wood country. Have you ever noticed any guys or girls that come from say the prairies, their dogs aren't used to the grouse woods. Is there kind of a transition time for a dog to say only hunting out West or the big open prairies to then hunting the, the grouse woods? Like, is there a transition that you've seen with dogs? Like how long does it take them to kind of figure out? Cause I think that's very different cover. Like you said, they're checking logs and down trees and, Things like that. Yeah, I'm going to give you the canned response. It depends on the dog. But mm-hmm. I would add to that. If you've got a big running pointer, which I love when we're out in the prairies, right? But that dog doesn't check back very often, right? I've, I've run with big pointers, big setters, big GSPs that mm-hmm. they're really good at just at least turning around and and figuring out where mom or dad is Hmm. those ones tend to make the transition into the thick woods right because you're not six seven hundred yards out now right you're a hundred and being able to check back is not just visual all the time anymore in the woods Hmm. it's a i got to turn around and make an effort to come back and see where you're at um as far as finding the objectives and and whatnot yeah that takes a little longer but okay. I find the hunters stress out a lot more as they make that transition into the big mm-hmm. woods, right? The shooting's really tough. It's sure. not that they're just fast. It's everything in the way. But they lose sight of their dog. So, mm. like. Yeah, you, that. You, I can't see my dog. Yeah, I can't. I, you know, so now they're, do I beep it? Do I, uh, I yeah. what do I do? You know, it's kind of like you just got to. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> let go of control. We have no control. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, to some it, degree. sometimes it does help to just call them back, you know, yeah. and just pet them on the head and give them a little water and reassure them. 
I'm still here, buddy. You know, mm. I'm, you know, maybe we want to go this way a little bit. You know, I'm not feeling yeah. real comfortable. It's pretty dark in these woods. You know, sure. you kind of re- refocus them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Give that makes little, sense. Give them a little <laughs> snack, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so grouse and woodcock, uh, you're hunting the most, but it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're hitting everything. If it flies, you're chasing it. Right. I, I, I do try being from Iowa. I try to make it down to Iowa a couple of times okay. a year. The pheasants have gotten better. Right. Okay. Um, have the, have the quail returned to Iowa at all or no? Or yeah, are they? Yeah. They, okay. you know, not in any great numbers, but sure. you know, that Southwest corner, South central area yep you'll get you'll run into them there nice so, okay yeah that's good i you know once the small farms went away in iowa mm. right that's what yeah. that's where we really saw them disappear mm. so the big gotcha. feedlots stuff like that sure that really sure. really hurt them i was uh we were driving back um from chicago last year uh after christmas and uh, we were on, was that 80 it runs through? Yeah, I-80. Um, I saw a pheasant fly across I-80. <laughs> like from a, from a little, like, I don't know, a field that has, has some trees, a little tree line. And there goes this pheasant. I'm like, what in the world? Wow. <laughs> and like the next exit, we're going to see my sister. And uh, next exit, we uh, got off. And I was like, you know, you have pheasants like right around here? She's like, oh, yeah, we see them all the time. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just saw one off I-80. <laughs> Where are you going today, cool. Will? I'm going to go visit my yeah. sister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, Scott, what did uh, what did last season look like for you? What were uh, maybe some of the highlights, some of the learnings uh, that you took away last season? Last season was a lot of fun. Not a lot of birds, but then, you know, I don't judge it on that. A couple of things. Um, my oldest grandson went on a uh, – you know, a hunt. He didn't carry a gun, but he came on and he was just fired up. So I gave him the GPS and, and the dog electronics. Hmm. And I, you know, giving him something to do where he's just not walking behind looking at dad, at grandpa's butt, you know, the whole time <laughs> is good, right? Sure. He was stopping going, oh, Briar's, Briar's over here, grandpa. Briar's over here. I go, well, when that thing buzzes in your hand, you let me know, right? Explain what that meant to him. You know, so it was just a really great day of, you know, learning, talking, and did we shoot a bird? Nope. Nope, we didn't. Um, the other cool thing was we did the um, hunt for Hank with the flush TV with Scott Franzen. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So Scott and I share the same uh, veterinarian Doc Wood and Doc Wood's from Iowa. So that's where our connection is. Gotcha. And we just followed, we followed each other up here to the cities, you know, where all the money was and Scott happened to be here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I had a four-year-old Griff that we were up, um, doing the spring woodcock, trying to get him certified for woodcock banding. Had a great time. Worked well, came home. Two days later, he's not eating or drinking. Brought him into Doc Wood. Doc Wood's like, you need to get pictures done. Went and did that. Got a call back three hours later and said, yeah, numb. bad news, right? Covered mm-hmm. head to toe in cancer. And within a week, he was gone. 
Oh, geez. A little bit after that, Scott Franzen's lab, Hank, same thing. Everything was fine. Everything was going good. And Hank was five years old. So we had that, you know, same connection. So, we, you know, when he said he wanted to do that hunt for Hank in remembrance of our dogs, fired up, went out to South Dakota and did that. So that, that was really fun. Brought my youngest son with me, shot his first sharp tail. Um, mm, very cool. You know, young pup, had a young pup with me. So... Um, what was she, eight months at that time? Okay. So she was just running behind her big brother and just having a gas and smelling the smells. So that was, that's always fun, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like some, some highs and, uh, and also some tough times as well. Losing, losing a dog is, um, yeah, not, not something you want to go through, but um, that's, a, that's a hard experience, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I want to back up to one thing you mentioned, and I know nothing about certified your dog for woodcock banding. What does that mean exactly? So up here, you know, in Michigan, New York, uh, you know, the big flyaways, Minnesota, that woodcock take as they migrate north in the spring and they nest, right? What you can do is you can go out, your dog will point them. Right, so your dog's got to be steady. I mean, rock steady, no jumping in on the nest or anything like that. And then what you do is then you can put a you know a cover over a, ne a net over the nesting bird, and then you put bands on them. So you oh. and then it tracks them. Some of them okay, put okay. GPS locators on them. So if you can pull up the woods the website. In the fall, you, it'll show you the migration of those that have the GPS on their back. Oh, that's very cool. Okay. So, so you're, then you're able to kind of get some data and, and collection points on, on where they're going, when they're moving, all that. Exactly. So it, it's pretty cool, but you got to, they just don't let any Scott go out there with his dogs and jump <laughs> around in the woods. It's got to gotta be a Scott with a K, right? Scott with a K. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you do have to go through and certify your dogs and, and things like yeah. that. And it takes, a, it takes a while. It's it's not a weekend foray and they hand you sure. a piece of paper. It's actually takes a couple of years. So. Mm, wow. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. You can do that. Um, how was how was South Dakota last year? South Dakota was phenomenal. Was it? It was. We went to Brown's Lodge, and they don't release um, where we hunted. It. He is the the farmer Brown. Um, thousands and thousands of acres of sunflowers and stuff like that. So yeah, it was. Um. I don't know if I should spoil this. Oh, I'm going to spoil it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's not gonna, Scott Franzen's not going to hire me. So that's like, all right. I'm going to. You're safe there. You're I'm safe like, there. You know, you got to work that through the wheels a little bit. You got to go. Do I, do, I need, do I need a, a disclaimer? Scott Franzen, whatever Scott shares right now is not my responsibility. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Will did not egg me on to this. Well, yeah, he did. <laughs> I just asked a question. <laughs> So we were walking in, in uh, through a big cattail swamp, and all of a sudden you heard all this crashing. I was like, wow, that's pretty noisy. And a big set of antlers going mm -hmm. through. 
It was an elk. No way. Yeah. Yeah. In South Dakota? In South Dakota. So really, my understanding through doing some research is that a number of years ago, 20 years ago, uh, the Indian band around that area along the Missouri corridor um, raised elk. And then that chronic waste disease or whatever, you know, that oh. shut all those farms down. Well, a lot of them got out. Um, so, yeah, and they learn obviously to follow their natural instincts and find the cute females and, you know, and so they're wow. procreating and, and they're seeing more and more of them. So, yeah, it was, wow. it was fascinating. I'm so glad I wasn't in front of it though. <laughs> oh my gosh. Or I thought you were going to say moose for some reason. I was like, wait, is it a moose or an elk he's going to say? <laughs> Both would be terrifying to come across. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So, um, take us through, uh, so take us through your, your dogs, uh, dog or dogs. Who do you have right now? Breeds. Uh, tell us a little bit about your dogs. Okay. Um, I have two dogs right now. I have Huckleberry. He is a griffin. He is four years old. He'll be five here in two months. Um, he's good, right? He's not. <laughs> you say that apprehensively. Scott. Well, I don't. You know, I don't like to undersell things, and I don't like to oversell sure. them. You know, he's sitting right next to me, and he's looking. <laughs> oh, at I mean, you can't. I'm like, you can't well, talk you're, about no, him. you're my best. Um, <laughs> but um, he's he's good. Right. He's he's very cautious. So he doesn't bump mm. birds. Got a great okay. nose, doesn't bump birds, but you can't push the rope out. So he's mm. my, you know, he's my 35 to 50 yarder. Okay. Right. I've got Briar. I drove to Georgia last year. In fact, just about a year ago um, to pick her up from a guy who really ran some some great bloodlines you know i put out a after finn passed away i put out a feeler to all the people and said hey you know i i really like to get a pup i don't want to mm. i don't want to sit on this one too long and yeah bang it was no, like, another griff I had another griff okay okay so, so this is the way scott does it and i'll try to make this short so I started out with an English setter when I was 16. Best dog ever. I mean, I never shot a bird over. Gorgeous dog. I got him for free. You know, it was, I think, did you do Brett Wanakant, yeah, uh, Millionaire's yeah, yeah. Dream? I did. I think he, he sat down and interviewed me for that book when he wrote it. Oh, no way. Okay. It was really, I go, Brett. I go, that is so wild. Throw the millionaire out of there. That's that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's I, cool. I'm like, God, if I would have got a millionaire, right. I'd be driving a new truck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's but so cool. That's pretty much my story. So, But that dog was, he is just my buddy, just like in the book. I mean, it's just, it was, the, it's tough growing up in a single parent home back in the 60s hmm. right there's something wrong with your mom how come she's not married what the heck's going on how come you don't have a dad how come 
you know, all these questions. Nobody wants to, they don't want to include your family because single women are going to try to hit on their husbands. And I mean, it's just this whole stigma that went on, right? You never got asked over for parties or anything. Wah, wah, you know, here I am today. But anyways, when I turned 16, I got a, I got an English setter and we were buds and he rode in the front seat of the truck and that's how I met girls. I didn't have to talk to him. Have a good looking setter in the front. I mean, I never had to talk to him. I could, all I had to do is just go, uh huh. They go, your dog is so pretty. And I go, uh huh. They're printing up, printing up business cards at that point. Yeah. So my philosophy is I go with a breed that I think is really, really nice until I get a really, really good one. And then I move on. So really? I've had a really, uh, you know, I'll, I'll could I have a better hunter in an English setter? Yes. So I'm thinking about going back there, but I, I haven't, don't know if I'm going to cross that line yet. <laughs> then I moved on to, to a chocolate lab. First one, trained him for a full year, opening a goose hunting. Buddy pulled up in the driveway to pick us up. He goes, oh, I forgot the decoys. He goes, I'll be right back. He turns around. I go back in the garage. I grab my coffee cup, turn around, dog's gone. Well, I'm sure he was followed. He must have followed his truck. So I jumped oh, in. No. He got hit on the highway. Oh, no. So I'm like, all right, I got to stick with my plan here. I got another chocolate lab. That dog taught me everything I know about hunting. Really? Because I never got a, a mentor teacher during this. Everything I know is self-learned and listening. Farmers yelling at me, right? I mean, the list is huge on, on how I learned things, but sure. he taught me. I mean, I just followed him. Wow. You know, he'd, if I wasn't, he'd come back and check. He'd sit by my side. He'd, he'd, he'd be like, no, over here. He'd, he'd sit and, and whine and bark at me. <laughs> I'd start walking a different direction. He'd start barking at me. Like, Scott, go back right. over hey, there. Hey, I go, hey. I guess he knows, you know? And so... I've never had another chocolate lab. I don't plan mm. on getting another chocolate lab. Wow. And also He's kind of your your threshold of, all right, that was it. That was the peak for you. Yeah. I just don't want to ruin, not ruin. Don't want to infringe on that memory with that breed. Mm. Wow. You know? So That's now, really special. I moved into the, to the British labs and the Fox Red. Great dog. King, he came when a time when the kids were all, we were busy. Sure. But he hunted so well. I mean, he took he took advantage of that weekend here, that week there. Not so much training, you know. <laughs> and he did did phenomenal with it. So, no more British labs. No more yellow labs. <laughs> we're done. We're done with those. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> That's a cool concept. Okay, then then turn the corner. What brought you into the Griffs? Uh, gray hair. <laughs> it really did. It really did. You I, you could just relate to him a little bit. I I look like him. You got a little bit of salt and pepper. You know, you know what a Griff looks like. They got they're know, cool dogs. They're cool. You know, they got the beard. Fear. And the now, beard. just just for for my own sake, we're not talking about a W a wire hair pointing griffon right yeah we are just a griffon no we are. okay this is a, it's a wire hair same point. thing yeah okay and it's griffon okay. griffon yeah and i just don't like saying that 
Graffon. It's Graff. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like saying the Epignol Breton. I know, I know. And you do that to a farmer when uh-huh. you're asking for permission, and they're like, uh, "Oh, I, uh, my wife's calling me. I, I gotta go." Uh, what kind of dogs do you have? I have a Graffon. Yeah, he's like, like, "No, you're yeah, gonna, you can't." I'm sorry. I got lots of people hunting. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, I got a Griff. I got a Griff. A Griff. Fear the beard." Now, Fear the beard, yes. Make it sound as tough as you can. <laughs> it was just, they hunt a lot closer. My, you know, couple of back surgeries, couple of knee surgeries, all that good stuff, slows you down quite a bit. So catching up to a dog that's pointing, you know, 400 yards away, you know, I'm not, I'm not Will, I'm not Travis, I'm not any of those guys that you guys are. I yeah, was at I, one I a, time. I got a bad. I got a bad back too, Scott. So don't oh, yeah. throw me in that in that group. I was just I was just sitting here stretching my back. I'm like, man, my back's killing me right now. Oh, I did it before I got on the podcast. Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like a I don't know 50 or 60 year old right now with my yeah with my back. It feels great. It's 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 awesome. But yeah, yeah so, so that's why I went to the Griffs. Um, that's cool. A little colder weather, so the, the little thicker coat. Oh know, sure. The briar magnet, I guess, is what you call it. <laughs> you know. I think it was uh, Nick Martin. You know Nick Martin, uh, Iowa bird chaser. Yeah. I don't um, know him personally. I know of him. Sure, sure. Follow him on Instagram. But he uh, he posted a picture the other day of his Griff covered in some kind of like weed or some kind of thing, briar or something. The dog was like covered, like you couldn't see its eyeballs. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> poor dog!" But just it happens. It's just kind oh, of a magnet for things. It's the worst. And if you get here's here's a tip for people that have dogs that collect burrs and stuff like that. It really upsets you, right? Because it's very time consuming. But you can make a dog comb shy. There's a there's one you haven't heard before, have you? No, no. If you not. just go to town and start ripping those burrs out, get your brush out and start pulling and yanking, and because you want to get hunting again and things sure. like that. Next time they see that little silver comb brush come at them, they're like, "Ooh!" So take your time, understand. You know, every time you get to the tailgate, those types of dogs always got some type of burr in them. Get your comb out. Take it easy. Yeah, you know, do your tailgate check. Yeah. That's a good piece of advice right there. You don't want to have a comb <laughs> shot. Dog sees a comb and they're like, "Yeah, we'll see you later." Yeah, bye. <laughs> or they cry. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back on. Yeah. yeah, that's gotta be tough. Yeah. Well, Scott, um, so you touched on your story a little bit um, about kind of growing up, getting into hunting. Can you unpack that a little bit more as we turn the corner? Um, I I know we want to get into a little bit of the kind of mentoring mentee side of hunting here. Um, but can you expand a little bit further on, uh, okay, so you're, you're growing up in a single, uh, single parent home. Okay. What was that tipping point? Like, like expand on your journey a little bit more into, into hunting. Like, what was that for you? Did you have anyone in your life that was bringing you into this? Was this just something you said, Hey, I want to go hunting. Like, like expand on that, on that a little bit more. Yeah. So I always was the outdoor kid, right? Didn't have a lot of friends. Well, I didn't have any friends, right? So it was always in the woods, right? Gene Hill writes a story about every boy should have a little brown dog, right? Follows him everywhere. I had a little brown dog, you know, 
and we went everywhere exploring everything like that so immediately i knew i I had to have a dog no matter what happened Hmm. but you see magazines laying around and then it moved into one of the hardest things for being um, either you're a single parent child or you don't have any parents right you don't have a means to add com- add context into conversations. Example, you go to school. It's seventh grade. The weekend's over. It's October. Everybody comes back to class. And a lot of boys are talking about, oh, I went to Devil's Lake with my dad and my uncle, and we shot snows and blues, and, you know, then we went fishing on the lake for perch, and, you can't contribute anything to there. All you can do is listen. And then that next kid kicks off and he goes, oh, really? Because we were in South Dakota or we were in North. So it's just sure you, you got that left outed part in, because you don't have your license. You don't. Right. Well, I went around in our woods in the backyard and saw three red squirrels and I shot one with my slingshot. And you know? they're all like, yeah, whatever. So I can, I, I can tell you exactly the day it was. It was August. It was hotter than bejesus and, and uh, laying in the middle of the floor, no air conditioning, and the phone rang. And my mom went and picked it up, and she's like, oh, hi. Uh, um, oh, okay, yeah, I know who you are. Um, oh, um, I don't know. I, I I don't you know that kind of conversation. I'm like, sure, the heck? sure. He yeah, yeah. To, you know, I go through my head. Did I do anything? Did I break anybody's <laughs> window? You know, <laughs> and uh, she goes, just a second, and she goes, uh, Eric was one kid that used to talk to me in school. His dad is on the phone. And he wants to know if you want to go skeet shooting. And she just shrugs her shoulders like, I don't know what he's talking about, you know. I don't know what he's talking about, but shooting sounds good. Sign me up. I go, I'll go. (laughs) And then she goes, yeah, he'll go. What does he need and stuff like that? And and he's like, nothing. Everything's fine. We'll pick him up in about a half an hour. That I was so nervous. I'm like, Mm. guns. I don't shoot. I don't, you know, uh, 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 uh. He picked me up. He drove me off to the Minneapolis Gun Club, you know, pulled out an eight, what I later learned was an 870. Sure. But it had the poly chokes on the end, and he shot for skeet for the Air Force on their on their oh, wow. team. And he hands me this fancy gun and goes, uh, you know, one shell at a time. And I'm like, well, where does it go? <laughs> you uh, tell me. I don't you're know. You have to help me out a little bit here, you know. And he made me shoot skeet. Wow. I know. I know. Not a bird. Didn't break a thing. He didn't sure. offer any, you know, well, aim here, you know, hold your gun differently. You know, he was just there to shoot. Eric must have bugged him. You know, I want somebody to go with too, you know. Sure. But man, I was hooked. Mm. But I had that problem. I'm hooked. All right. Who's going to reel me in? Yeah. Like how, what, how, yeah, how do you take that next step, that next, you know, that next, next adventure out? Yeah. And he made it clear that, you know, this was, this was not something that was going to happen a lot. So sure, I was like, oh man, I got to figure this out. 
so that started my journey, right? I, so this is where my passion comes in to helping other people, right? You, you got to be able to extend that hand. If they take it, grab a hold of it, you know, take them for, take them for a journey, right? If you reach your hand out and they don't, they don't reach out and grab it, that, that's absolutely fine too. But, um, yeah, so I, I did this big journey of, all right, I read every magazine. I started reading books. I, you know, there was, we didn't have a television back then that worked, so I couldn't do that. But just library, magazines, books, you know, looking up trucks, everything like that. So when I turned 16, I bought my truck, a Datsun. You know what a Datsun is? No clue. Ah, Google that one, everybody who's listening Do- to this. Dodson. Yeah? Not Dodge, right? Dodson. Dodson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that down, Scott. Dodson. Spelled just like it sounds. All right. <laughs> Put a topper on it, built a thing in the back where I could sleep, and got that oh, English. Cool. You, were doing, you were doing the drawer system before. It was even cool. Exactly. I even had cup holders. <laughs> What I know, you don't you don't see that. I know, and shag carpeting. <laughs> Man, you were, you were fancy back then. Man. <laughs> I had nothing to do. <laughs> well, what better way to spend your extra time then? I mean, that's perfect. I, I agree. I agree. I painted it Cadillac Eldorado brown. So yeah, there you, oh there you go. Free paint. I went to the auto shop and said, "Hey, you guys got any free paint?" He said, yeah, I just got done patching up a Cadillac over there. I only used a little bit and waiting for the guy to come pick up the paint, you know, to dispose of it properly. I'm like, boom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> I got it. That is that is fascinating, Scott. Um, so, okay, so you – it sounds like then from there on now, so, so around age 16 for X amount of years later, is it true to say that you were just kind of figuring this out as you go? Dogs, hunting – all this stuff, like like you were just kind of like, all right, I'm going to figure this out myself, do the research, spend the time. Um, I, I, guess, I guess catch us up a little bit from, from that point when you're around 16 the, and get us to like, like this passion now for helping um, new hunters and, and developing uh, other people's love and passion for this. Like, I guess fill in the gap there a little bit and then we'll, we'll dive into more specific things in a second. Absolutely. Um, so the, the journey went really, I think it went really well, right? Having that dog, the dog meets, you know, helps you meet girls, get you bigger trucks, you know, a nicer gun. I will say I bought my first gun at JC Penney's. JC Penney's? Right next to the dungarees. <laughs> yep. No way. 127 bucks and 14 cents. Remington 870 Wingmaster 30 inch. Can you imagine? Book, and I walked right imagine to the going store to, with it. <laughs> you imagine going to JC Penney's the uh, the counter? Hey, I'm looking for uh, Remington 870. <laughs> you guys uh, have any of those in stock? <laughs> oh my god, uh, security, security. Yeah, yeah. I, I tease my kids, my grandkids. Oh. See right over there. That's about right. That's about right where yeah. the gun. You know, you walk right over there and buy a gun. Oh no. Oh, no, Grandpa, that's not true. Yeah, you're lying, Grandpa. No way. No way. No way. So, yeah. um, As I got better, right, and I had a lot of teachers, right, and I found my best teachers were the people, the farmers, and their wives 
believe it or not, that I was stopping to ask for permission. Hmm. I would stop, bang on the barn door, you know, or the house, and, you know, Miss Sally would come to the door and say, Bob's out in the barn milking, you know, go go talk to him. And i go, you know, I was driving down the road here and looked over here, and I was wondering if I could hunt across the road. And he says, well, what you hunting for? I said, pheasants. And he's like, oh, God, no, don't go over there. He said, come here. You know, and he'd walk me to the other corner of the barn. And he'd go, see that hillside there? You know, this time of the day, they like to mm. sit over there. They've already eaten everything that they can eat. You know, I just saw mm. them. Go, yep, go on over there. So being a good listener, right, it's that definitely that kind of cover there is not what I want to do this time of the day. I want to look for. So I started writing all this stuff down, and they were great. I would bring back a pheasant, you know, for Miss Sally, you know, for being so nice so that she could cook her and Bob a, a pheasant. And I learned through the years that it's even better if you can clean it and give it to them. Don't just give them the oh, bird. Wow. And I had a, a farm lady. She's like, you, you, do you not know how to clean them? And I said, well, I've got my way. She goes, well, let me show you a couple of ways. Get yourself one of these, a shear. And she walked me through the process, oh, wow. rinse it out, you know, uh, put it in a bath of salt water, you know, and for this long, stick it in your refrigerator and then blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, I mean, the mentors, if you, if you listen, yeah. They're all over. They're all holding their hand out going, here, grab on for a second. I'm going to show you something. You know, there was a, a, a gentleman who um, he said, I go, what, what can I do for you for letting me, you know, hunt? I can help clean out the barn, or anything like that. He says, I'm walking into town to get, get a beer. He said, buy me a beer. I said, okay. Went in there and he goes, I'll tell you something. He says, you got 50 bucks in your pocket? And I go, uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't. And he said, always carry 50 bucks in your pocket. And I said, why is that? And he said, because when you come into little joints like this, it's not packed. You know, that's Joe, that's Frank. You know, we just come in for a beer or two before we go home and eat supper and stuff like that. He said, if you walk into a place like this, buy everybody a beer. Hmm. it'll cost you, you know, in that day, you know, five bucks. Sure. And then they'll ask you to come over and sit at their table, and they're going to ask you where you're from, and they're going to ask you what the heck you're doing in their area. And before you know it, you're going to have some place to hunt. Or you've got new friends that when you come into this again, you can say, hi, Bob, hi, Frank. So, hmm. I mean, that mentoring, that teaching, that's why I don't like mentoring Sure. It's that teaching, that coaching, that here, listen. And, and like you said, it's it's kind of all around you. And it's, and it's in today's age, I think maybe it's what you're describing is probably non-typical what people think, right? Right. Because when you think, oh, I'm going to, my, my teacher, my mentor, you think it's, I don't know, in my mind, I think it's a specific person and there's like a formula and curriculum, like thing to like teach you. But you're saying it's kind of all like in the everyday little moments where you learned how to, you know, clean the pheasant properly from Sally, who kind of just offered, a, like you said, offered a hand and said, hey, let me let me show you a couple of things on this. And you took that and learned and experienced from that, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, so take it up closer to today, right, is what you asked me. I knew, I know 
there are a lot of boys, girls like myself, right? I, I won't regurgitate numbers for you, but there are millions and millions and millions of kids that are either in a single parent family, right? Where the mom or the dad being the parent could use some help, right? You've got orphanages, you've got foster homes, you've got institutions, you've got boys and girls clubs, you've got all these places of young men and women that really just need a friend and someone to teach them, someone to, you know, reach out their hand. They'll grab those, those ones will grab it. I guarantee you. You reach out your hand to someone like that that's, you know, doesn't get out of the house much, has probably never walked in the woods, they're gonna grab a hold of it. So that's where the passion came. I mean, right out of high school, I I started coaching basketball with one of the the coach's son. I loved it, right? Mm -hmm. It was just that opportunity to help teach, right? You know, don't leave your you – know, beyond the basketball part, there's so much more to teach young people, right? How to speak well. Hmm. You know, grandpa can't hear you. You have to speak clearly. You can't mumble. You can't look at your feet. You got to look them right in the eye when you talk to them. Talk clearly. Sure. <laughs> How do you shake a hand, right? Yeah. You'd shake my grandpa's hand like a wet noodle and he'd <laughs> jerk his hand back like you did. You just shocked him and he'd go, what the hell was that? You know? So just that's where the, cause I didn't have that. Sure. Right. I, but we all as people who love this can, can help. Right. Reach out a hand. I know it's hard. I mean, I had three kids taking on another kid to mentor, to teach. That's tough. Sure. You know, but it's a commitment. It's a commitment for sure. Because, again, you got your own family, your own job, life. Yeah. But it, it's, it's an extra thing. But again, when, when like, like you've said, you're growing up in your experience, you're like, OK, I know what that was like. Right. Like, like you knew what that was. And so, all right, I want to make it make a difference make make it different than what i had yeah yeah you you, uh, you really do. here here's an example and i won't i won't name who it is or anything like that but there are other podcasters like yourself who hold you know get togethers and you get to ask questions and things like that i was at one of those and there were 15 to 20 people on the on the line and I just in my head I just was like huh I wonder so I said I want to ask the question how many of you here have mentored another hunter and I said this doesn't count right you take them out hunting once right you walk around for a couple hours and you drive them back and you drop them off that's not in my that's not teaching I go how many of you have have tried to help someone learn what we love hmm. not a hand really not a hand but yet every two weeks we talk about how do we get more hunters you know how do we get more young people how do we get more women how do we get you know i mean the list goes on and on sure because you've got people like scott who've got you know 
you know, maybe one good dog left in me and then, you know, it'll be just looking at memoirs. So how do we get them out there? And, and, and they're very sincere when they say, you listen to them, we need more sure. people out there. We need people to pass the torch to, but none of them have ever reached out their hand. I, I, was, mm-hmm. I, I thought I'd get a couple. Sure, sure. In a room of, you know, 20 so people, yeah. <laughs> none. That's a, wow. It hurt. That. That's surprise. Yeah, that's a that's a surprise because again, we all talk about it. I talk about it. You, uh, we all want that. And, and Scott, was it you when when we had a phone call a couple months ago? Um, we were chatting about this. Was it you who brought up that you don't just want again anyone who wants to be an upland honey? That's great, but you don't want to have to force them into it, right? You don't want to have to coax them into it. Like you want the people who are show a little bit like extend that hand a little bit who are a little bit eager a little bit interested right versus someone who's like eh, i could take it or leave it and then forcing them into it correct was that you who i was t- yeah you want to expand on that maybe a little bit more some of your thoughts on that absolutely absolutely this is why i use the reach out your hand and if they grab it right mm-hmm. at some point they're usually you reach out the hand they they, they touch it and that gets you to start to talk and things like that. And it doesn't take very long. All right, guys, that's a wrap of episode 57, part one with Scott Kinnair. Scott, uh, thank you so, so much. Um, I just listening back to some of this as I was doing some editing and, and plugging this into uh, GarageBand. Um, just thank you for your, uh, your time that you've taken to invest into new hunters. Uh, I think that's something, like you said, not a lot of people have done, probably, to to that level of really walking alongside someone and um, you know experiencing chasing birds with them and coaching them and, and answering their questions. So thank you for the time you've invested into this generation. I um, really appreciate it. I look forward to part two of this conversation, uh, which we're going to be dropping that in just a few days. So look forward to part two coming out with Scott Kinnair. Hey guys, don't forget to follow uh, the Upland Rookie Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, uh, also YouTube. I have a vest review of the Final Rise Sidekick vest uh, up on YouTube, and I'll be doing a couple more videos here in the future. And so make sure to check that out, like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, just helps support the show. Um, you know, helps helps get out there to new hunters. The hunters have been doing this a long time. Again, it's all about the algorithms with you know social media and uh, reviews, Apple Podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Um, really would help support the show so uh, make sure you head over there Uh, which reminds me to if you haven't leave an apple review Uh, a rating and review on apple again is really really going to help you know someone's searching and saying hey i'm looking for bird hunting podcast or upland hunting podcast Um, the more reviews and ratings a show has it's going to be higher up in the search uh, bar when someone searches bird dogs or upland hunting or, or something like that Um, So if you guys wouldn't mind, if you've not already, take a quick minute and just head over to Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, just just leave a a rating. Um, You know, there's a five-star rating system. And then just a little review of what the show has meant to you, what um, maybe what you've learned from it, what you've gained from the show. Um, That would really, really mean a lot to me. 
And uh, I think Spotify, or I know Spotify does. <laughs> I know Spotify has a, a star system as well. So if you listen on Spotify, head over there and leave a, uh, a rating. That would be much, much appreciated. Hey guys, thanks so much for uh, listening. Uh, part two is coming out very soon of this conversation with Scott. So until then, put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog. Take care. <laughs>